From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson indicated last week he'll announce soon whether to run for a third term in 2022. About a dozen Democrats so far have declared their candidacies for the seat. When Johnson ran in 2010 and again in 2016, he waited until those election years to announce his bid. What do you think changed that would cause him to announce earlier than in the past? Uh, Good question. He's been saying all along that he'll make a decision when he's ready an announcement when he's ready. So there are probably a couple things that are playing into it for him. He's been saying that national operatives tell him that he's the best positioned for Republicans to hold on to this seat next year. So that probably plays into it. Um, But I try not to read too much into anything Ron Johnson says because he is a non-traditional politician. Um, He kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. And so I'm not going to be surprised by whatever he says. All I know for sure is he's going to make an announcement at some point but I'm not prepared to make a bet on what it's going to be, although Republicans have been more bullish on the idea of Johnson running for a third term recently. But again, I, I don't know if they're reading the tea leaves about this and trying to just kind of get a feeling for themselves or, or trying to parse his words, but there definitely is a little bit more of a sense among Republican sources that I think he's more likely to run than not at this point, but they also caution me that that could change any minute. Well, now, if Johnson decides to run, do you think results of the Virginia governor's race in which the Republican candidate won would drive his decision? Uh, I don't know if it's that. I mean, look, Republicans are looking at what happened in Virginia and New Jersey and elsewhere and saying it's going to be a good year in 2022. Um, That's typically the case, the party that's out of power in the White House. I mean, we've seen, you know, Democrats did well in 2018 with Donald Trump in office. Republicans did great in 2014 with Barack Obama in office in 2010 with Obama in the office. 2006, Dems had a huge wave with you know George Bush. I mean, these things just tend to happen. It's just the way things go. So they're betting on that, but they're also seeing Joe Biden's numbers and how poor they are right now and saying it could be an extra special year. And so with somebody like Ron Johnson, whose numbers aren't great, remember the last Marquette poll, still a little upside down with uh, favorable, unfavorable ratings. Good chunk of the doesn't really have an opinion of him or didn't offer one. Even with kind of mediocre numbers like that, a good Republican year can really help him, you know, overcome those challenges. I mean, he said a lot of things that have turned people off about COVID-19, also has a very ardent group of supporters who are happy to see him saying those things. He has some challenges as a candidate, but with the environment that he's looking at, possibly, that's still a year away, it could kind of smooth over some of those rough edges for him. And Johnson has been averaging $1 million per quarter in fundraising in recent reporting periods, lagging behind other Senate incumbents across the country. How would that factor into his decision if he runs? Does he care? Oh, Ron Johnson has, has got some personal wealth. He could put that in uh, to help grease the skids of a fundraising operation. He's run two statewide bids before. He's got his fundraising list. Those would help. Um, the money will be there, people say, if he gets in, it's a matter of getting it up and running, being dedicated. So like if you look at his fundraising reports, you know, and, and the small dollar donors that he has, he's got an operation going. Those are the donors who give less than 200 bucks to a candidate. The ones you hit up with an email list for like 5 10 15 20 $25 
and they give over and over again, as you send out these email appeals, he's got a pretty healthy operation like that. But it's not where it could be. If he were to really put money into his operation, you, may, you spend money to make money. One Democrat in the race for Johnson's seat is Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, who received the endorsement last week of House Majority Whip James Clyburn of South Carolina. Clyburn's support of President Joe Biden helped Biden get the Democratic nomination for president in 2020. What kind of weight does Clyburn's endorsement of Mandela Barnes have in the race for Wisconsin's U.S. Senate seat? Look, no offense to Representative Clyburn, he is a, an institution in South Carolina, but that's in South Carolina. Um, the reason isn't, isn't, you know, his endorsement of Joe Biden mattered so much was that you had Biden coming off poor showings in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, he's, President Clyburn endorsement in South Carolina. Biden won. Now, a lot of people gave Clyburn uh, credit for that because of the weight that his word carries in South Carolina, and that's great. But we're talking Wisconsin. Um, I don't know that Mr. Clyburn's name ID is super high uh, among primary voters. And again, it's not an offense to him. It's the fact that we're, you know, half a country away. So it's not, I mean, it's not like it's a bad thing for Mandela Barnes. It's endorsement, far be it. Far be it. It's a good thing, you know. But endorsements matter the most and have the biggest impact. They come with money infrastructure. So if Representative Clyburn has a lot of money to give Mandela Barnes for some way, great. You know, that would be a big help. He does have an infrastructure in Wisconsin, right? He doesn't have a, a turn on the vote operation. So these are things that are good for Barnes. It helps feed the perception he's at the front runner. Um, you know, his, his supporters say, look, this is a sign of the party is coalescing around Mandela because he's got other you know, national figures who've endorsed him. But this doesn't necessarily like seal the deal in Wisconsin or is it going to move the needle significantly? Again, because President Clyburn is not really from Wisconsin, right? He's not a figure here that's going to move people necessarily a great deal. So what I'm watching now is how do those, you know, top Senate candidates, how do they raise money? What's this next report look like? You know, they, Ben Della Barnes had a pretty good first report, but can he build upon it, make it even better? Um, Alex Lazary, Sarah Galuski, Tom Nelson, can they get going financially better than where they've been before? There are other factors at play that are more significant in the chasing of that party nomination than an endorsement like one from Representative Clyburn. Also last week, Democratic State Representative Sarah Rodriguez of Brookfield announced she is running for lieutenant governor. Rodriguez captured the assembly seat in 2020 when she defeated longtime Republican incumbent Rob Hutton. The field for the lieutenant governor's seat is growing. What's her lane and how does Sarah Rodriguez stack up against, say, Democratic State Senator Lena Taylor of Milwaukee, who also is running for lieutenant governor? Well, there are other people from Milwaukee who have been kicked on the idea of getting into the race. One of them, for example, is um, Representative David Bowen. So I'm watching, one, how many Milwaukee candidates get in, because this field is not settled yet. Uh, if there are a lot of Milwaukee candidates vying for you know, a very important area of the state and Democratic primaries in terms of votes, that could open the door for somebody else to come in and maybe do better in like a Dane County or outstate and, you know, clean up. So how's that dynamic play out? Look, Sarah Rodriguez, I mean, she can say she flipped a Republican assembly seat last fall. She raised almost $700,000 in the process. Now, about half of that came from the state Democratic Party, which again has been this phenomenal fundraising operation and was able to pour money into a lot of like legislative races, but she still raised a good chunk of change on her own. She had 55 grand in the bank um, in her state account at the end of June. That's a pretty healthy account. 
Lena Taylor, meanwhile, was like less than two grand. I mean, Lena's not been known as a, a prolific fundraiser in her time uh, in the state legislature. I think she raised like 55 grand or less for her mayoral bid against Tom Barrett in 2020. So, you know, money's a factor in politics. Sarah can, uh, is, you know, from kind of those Milwaukee suburbs that become very important. I mean, Democrats did well with those voters under with Donald Trump in office. Republicans feel like they're going to start winning them back because Trump is not on the ballot anymore. Looking at what happened in Virginia, they think that they've started doing that. So she can make, you know, that pitch. She's got a background in health care. I mean, she's got a lot of positive things. Lena, though, has a longer record in terms of winning races, being around, knowing people. So that helps her. But again, what's this field look like? How many people are trying to split up the Milwaukee pie? Does that mean there's an opening for somebody else, especially somebody outstate, um, to kind of come in and have a lane that way? Um, Wausau Mayor Katie Rosenberg, she is a kind of a rising star in the Democratic Party. She's talked about as a possible candidate. Now, she has indicated if she's really serious about it or, or, you know, gearing up for something. But if she were to get in, there's an example of somebody who's from out state, outside the Milwaukee market, who could possibly build an operation and, and carve up a lot of the other votes, Democratic votes in the primary and do well. It just, it just depends. You don't know who's going to get in yet. And it's hard to handicap the field that you have that better, better feeling of who's going to be in there. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.